one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. We're glad you were able to spend a little time with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Zach Barlett is away enjoying time with family this week, but sitting in is our one-time co-host, Darren Metzger. You may remember the talent behind the unreasonable rants he used to bring to our program. (laughs) Good to have Darren in studio with us, and what's probably the last time, wouldn't you say, with your family planning a cross-country move to San Diego? You have so many... So much family, so many friends here in Rochester. Why San Diego? Or is that why, the family and the friends? Yeah, I'm just really sick of my family and friends like you. I hate all of you. Uh, no, you've spent winter here, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm out. Is that, is that really it? The That's winter is number just... one reason. I hate winter. I'm done shoveling. I'm finished. Like, I'm done. We're leaving. And I'm never shoveling any snow ever again in my life. You can follow us on your favorite social media platform. Our handle is at BTG Program, or stop by our website sometime, btgprogram.com. Coming up on today's show, even though Zach's away this week, he's not out of mind. He'll be calling in with a new list of shenanigan statements. And, of course, I'll tell you what it is that I like this week, and Darren will tell you what it is that he liked this week. We're going to talk about the racism that Orioles outfielder Adam Jones had to deal with in Boston this past week. Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier so long ago. You wouldn't think this stuff would still be around, but there it was again and directed Mm -hmm. at really what's one of the good guys in the game today. Plus, Darren's here, so why not talk some Buffalo Bills? This week saw Doug Whaley dismissed as GM and the fifth-year option on wide receiver Sammy Watkins declined. We'll get Darren's thoughts on that and take the discussion where no other show in the country will will go with it, and that's pretty much guaranteed. I hope you'll stick around, spend the next hour or so with us. I'm Rick Benson, along with Darren Metzger. This is the Beyond the Game Program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. Roberts welcomes student athletes ready to pursue their best self. We offer modern facilities, 17 varsity sports, and a highly supportive atmosphere that promotes teamwork and education for character. Roberts was one of just 27 D2 member schools honored with the President's Award for Academic Excellence. If you know a scholar-athlete, think Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. Though I'm a Giants fan, my team is always going to be the New York Giants. I certainly like the Buffalo Bills, living here in western New York for the last, I don't know, 19, 20 years or so, has made me even more of a, of a Bills fan. But since the beginning, I've done this program with two of the biggest Bills fans around. And even though Zach's away today, sitting in is our former co-host, Darren Metzger. Darren, your team is searching for a new GM mm-hmm. after letting Doug Whaley go one day. One day after the recent NFL draft, and if Zach were in his studio with us, he'd be saying things like finally and probably dancing around his chair yes. and having a little celebration because he was he was on board with seeing Whaley dismissed for quite a while. Mm-hmm. The Bills are certainly not the first team to dismiss a front office guy, high-ranking guy, after the draft. But what I thought was really strange about them letting go, the timing of the whole thing. That was as, as part of the news conference following the dismissal, Terry Pagola, who, of course, owns the Bills, he says, we ran a process after the season ended and made the decision at this time. That seems to seem to indicate that they've been thinking about this for months. Mm-hmm. If you've run a process since the season ended, you've been thinking about this for a while, so why only now? If that's true... They were thinking about making this move throughout the process of finding a new coach, which, of course, they had Whaley involved in. Pagula went on to say that after the draft, we made the decision. So sometime between very late Saturday night and early Sunday morning when they made that announcement, they made the decision to get rid of this guy. It did seem odd to me at first, but and this is just all speculation. I was conversing with other Bills fans, and we were thinking, why would they make this move now? And I honestly think that McDermott had all the control in the draft room because I really and do. reports would say that he did, yeah. yeah. Like, I think this is one of the best drafts the Bills have had in a long time. What they did in the first round to trade back and get you know, next year's first-round pick uh, and plus the third round, it was, it was just fantastic. I loved what the Bills did. They, they needed a wide receiver. The top three guys got taken, so they just moved back in the draft and got more draft picks. This was, this was fantastic. These are not moves that I've ever seen Whaley make. He overreaches. Overreaches for guys like E.J. Manuel and J.P. Lossman and Aaron Mabin. Like You could go on and on with the horrendous draft picks that Whaley has, has made. I mean, he, he even traded up and, and, and did everything you could do to get Sammy Watkins. Well, guess what? That still blew up in your face. Because you could have had Odell Beckham Jr. where you were. Now, no one knew Odell would be what he is. But that's just the story of Doug Whaley in Buffalo. He just never could get it right. Between draft picks and fighting with every head coach they ever had, it was time for him to go. Well, it seems like if they were thinking about this since the end of the season and they decided after the draft to do it, 
what happened in the draft. And I, as you say, it, and many reports would corroborate that McDermott's the man. He's mm-hmm. clearly in charge, you know. So was it a final straw thing? They were considering this, and then something happened in the draft that was a yeah. final straw. But then Pagula gave a lot of credit towards Whaley for the way the draft went. And even though McDermott is the man, even though they've been thinking about this for months, Doug Whaley was part of that draft, yet he's fired the next morning. That just seems so... I don't I don't believe Pagula when he was like, oh, yeah, Doug Whaley was great for this draft. Nah, he... Yeah, I don't that's think he kind of what I wonder. Was he just saying nice things, yeah. trying to part on the high road? But if you ask me, I, I kind of wonder if maybe they screwed him. You know, you put him in a humiliating lame duck situation throughout the draft. But what you really did was you kept him from working with other teams who might who you might share what the Bills' draft plans were, what their strategies were. You kept him perhaps from being able to take an opportunity with another with another football team. So mm-hmm. all right, look, the Doug Whaley situation's resolved. The search for a new GM is on. The Tyrod Taylor situation was another question the Bills were facing, but they they dealt with that a while back. Another of the big questions facing the team heading into this upcoming season was what they would do with wide receiver Sammy Watkins, whether or not they would pick up the fifth-year option on his contract. If they did, it would be a $13.25 million guarantee for 2018. So that, too, is now resolved. The Buffalo Bills announced this week that they've declined that option He's now going to be an unrestricted free agent after the end of the season. Mr. Bills fan, what do you think about that? I actually agree with the move. Watkins, he he's good when he's healthy. And, I mean, he was really, two years ago, he was really good for those 10 games after he complained about not getting the ball, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, hey, we finally got the first-round receiver that we drafted, right? And then last year was just, it was a mess, and then you blame Tyrod Taylor for it. Well, he had no one to throw to. Like, at one point, I thought about going out and trying to be a wide receiver for the Bills because <laughs> I could not have been worse than what they were running out there. So it's not really Tyrod's fault. And you don't have a, a, a healthy number one. And in last year's case, two, three, and four, he didn't have anybody healthy. Like, I, I'm fine with them letting Sammy go at the end of the season. Now, if he has a dynamite year, and you want to bring him back, and he finally stayed healthy. Great, he earned the extra money. But, no, I'm good with this move. I'm actually good with 99% of the moves they've made this year. You let Robert Woods go. He got more money than he should have gotten to be a solid number two who's always hurt. You know, you had to let Aaron Aaron Williams go. I mean, he's he's a danger to himself at this point. I'm loving the moves they're making. I agree with the Sammy move. It does make good sense. Here's a guy that has unlimited star potential. He's I mean, good the, when he's right, immense talent. But really, Bills fans, you've only seen that one year. Well, you've only seen it games. once. Sixty passes and over two over a thousand yards receiving, nine mm-hmm. touchdowns back in 2015. But that's the only time that you saw all that unlimited potential. Mm-hmm. But we could certainly debate the wisdom of moving up to draft Watkins. Hindsight's 2020. You know, that that yeah. was a receiver rich draft though. Yeah. You know, you had five guys being taken in the first round. You mentioned Beckham, uh, Mike Evans, mm-hmm. Kelvin Benjamin, Brandon Cooks, who of course be with the Patriots this year. Uh, all of those taken after the Bills took Watkins. Always the case though in Buffalo. You have so many stars taken after busts. 
it's frustrating. You know, did the Bills really need to give up those picks? You, you know, as it stands now, not really. But that's something they didn't know. You mentioned have no idea that one, Beckham was going to turn out to yes. be who he is. The one move by Whaley that I think I that's the only one I can remember agreeing with. I was excited that the Bills finally did something to go out and and address a major need that they had. Unfortunately, it's not looking like it's worked out as well as you had hoped, especially with how embarrassing though up. is it for the Bills? And let's be real, this is a franchise that's no stranger to embarrassment. Mm. How bad a look is it if he leaves Buffalo, signs elsewhere, and breaks out? <laughs> let's be honest, there's a real solid chance that happens. I mean, Brett goes to the Patriots and torches them for oh, the rest of his career. Bills fans would be taking their own lives. <laughs> But I agree with you. I sort of like it. I, I think the Bills are taking a cautious approach. I think that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. He's had repeated injuries. I, for a guy that's only 23, 24 years old, he's had multiple surgeries already. Mm-hmm. It's not worth taking a $13 million risk no. over. Nope. You know How valuable is a player who can't stay on the field? He's not. Exactly right. You, know, you just don't know. Is he going to be there for you? Many Bills fans were outraged started looking for the nearest bridge to jump off when they found out they weren't picking up the option. That's why I asked you, and I'm surprised that was your initial reaction because I know Bills fans were wanting so desperately to have that star, and they thought that it was going to be Sammy Watkins. I don't know if he's it, and Zach likes to call me one of the worst Bills fans ever. Oh, you are. (laughs) I never see the positive side in anything when it comes to the Bills, except for some reason Tyrod Taylor. I've just giving him all the rope he could possibly need. I don't think it was his fault last year, but outside of Tyrod, I see the negative in almost everything the Bills do. Here's the nice thing that the Bills have, the safety. They can always negotiate a contract with him, renegotiate a new mm-hmm. contract, but there's always the franchise tag out there, Yeah, which if they apply that, really is only going to cost them about $3 million more than that fifth-year option would have anyway. So I think it makes sense. And it's a good move. I I think so. Reliability is really an important part for a player's value to his team, obviously. And this is a perfect example of it. If the Bills can't count on him to be on the field, well, then how valuable is he? Reliability is also a key element of a friendship. You know, pastor, my pastor was preaching through the book of Colossians, and last Sunday we came to the portion of chapter 4, where Paul's mentoring, mentioning some of his friends. He's talking about fellow workers, he says in verse 11, who have been a comfort to him, as strong, as courageous as you think of the Apostle Paul. But he still needed and relied on some key people. And I think comfort, the word he used there, is a good word when talking about trusted friends, you know, people who are steady, people who are faithful. We all want friends like that. Mm-hmm. But are we that type of friend to others? Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Too often we've been, we've all been burned by friends who betray us. You know, we probably have somebody in our lives that have turned their back on us. And Paul had that too. A guy named Demas. He's mentioned at the end of Colossians 4.11 as having been with Paul and as part of that group of fellow workers. But then we read in 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed unto Thessalonica. When we're betrayed, 
It's so often because of somebody's selfish desire, something the appeal of the world is just stronger than the bonds of friendship. First John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It is so cool. I mean, just so cool to know that God will never betray us. We actually shared this verse last week. You weren't here, Darren, but we shared Hebrews 13, 5, and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. We really need to depend on God, especially now, because things are so bad in the world, so much evil. But we can trust God with our family, with our jobs, with our work. We can trust God with whatever else we worry or we care about. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. God has given us the choice between right and wrong. He's given us a choice between good and evil. Time and time again, we're the one who betrays his friendship. We turn our back and we sin against him choosing what the world offers, instead of following him, obeying what he says. And yet God remains faithful. He's always there. Allows us to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now that's a friend. Mm -hmm. Somebody who... Man, even though you are in the midst of betraying him, you're in your sin, Christ died for you. Things might might not be the way we think they ought to be in our life. Sometimes things just don't go the way we want. Uh, Yet, if we remain dependent on him, he will be there to guide us, to help us, to love us. It doesn't matter how things may seem. God will, will bring all to pass those things which he has promised. First Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, and give you a future and a hope. God is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer. King David said as much after God had saved him from his enemies. Second Samuel 22.4 says, He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The enemy of every person is sin. Sin keeps us from God, restricts us from being in heaven with him. But like David, if you call upon the Lord, you can be saved from your enemy. God doesn't care. He doesn't care what you did. He's that faithful friend who won't turn his back on you. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness of sins is found at the cross. It's found in Jesus Christ. He paid the cost of all our sins on the cross so that we could be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God wants to be that friend who will love you more than you could ever imagine. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, according to John 3.16. As a result, forgiveness of sins is available to all those who would simply ask. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to be saved from your sins, ask God to, to forgive you. Pray to God. Tell him you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and admit your guilt. Seek his forgiveness, asking him to forgive you of all of your sins. Turn away from them. Leave them in the past. Not like you're never going to sin again, but start a new life of, uh, of seeking after righteousness and desiring to draw closer to God. I'm Rick Benson. So glad you're with us. We'll be back after a short break. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here is the Red Hawks report for this week on our broadcast on May 6, 2017. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's lacrosse team earned a berth in the East Coast Conference Championships after an overtime victory over the University of Bridgeport 10-9 in their regular season finale. The Red Hawks got three goals each from junior Joanna Price and senior Castley Joukowsky. Joukowsky scoring just 30 seconds into overtime to give Roberts the win and send them into the ECC Championships for just the first time in the program's history. Seeded fourth, the Red Hawks fell to the conference's top seed, LIU Post, on Thursday, 18-2. Price and junior Mackenzie Kidder netting goals for Roberts Wesleyan. The men finished out their regular season with a valiant effort, though ultimately a loss on the road against Georgian Court University, despite five goals from sophomore Cody Menzies, and with the Red Hawks scoring twice in the final four minutes to tie the game and send it into overtime, Georgian Court scored the game winner with just 1 minute 14 seconds left to close the book on the Roberts season who finished 1-7 in conference, 4-12 overall. In track and field at the University of Buffalo invite on Saturday, junior Chelsea Hayward won the 100-meter and 200-meter races, while distance runner Rachel Hutchinson took first place in the 1500-meter. Meanwhile, some other members of the team competed at the St. John Fisher Cardinal Classic, where senior Malcolm Shaw won the javelin throw. At Fisher, five Red Hawks runners turned in personal bests in the 1,500-meter race, including Spencerport's Mariah Martone and Pittsburgh's Mega Singh. That's our Red Hawks report for this week, May 6, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. Or for the latest scores, news, and highlights, visit the RWC Athletics website, athletics.roberts.edu. This has been the Red Hawks Report presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a college to become his or her best self? If so, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports, including basketball, cross country, and soccer. And we have the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. At Roberts, the athletic experience is a vital part of our students' education and their life. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee-wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com. 
or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Darren Metzger and putting his family vacation on hold for a few minutes to call into the program is our show's producer, Zach Barletta, to give us his shenanigans statements. How's it going, man? You ready You ready to come home yet? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Vacation's been fun, but traveling with small children is starting to get old. <laughs> and it's a family vacation, right? Everybody's there, your parents, your brother, uh-huh. your sister... Is it, is it oh, yeah. true what what they say? You know, families like fish, they get old after a couple of days and smelly. That, that's definitely the case. I know I got smelly <laughs> after a couple of days. So. Well, Zach has given me his statement, so I'm going to read it because he's on a phone. So, guys, you ready to go? Let's go ahead with shenanigans. Of all the teams remaining in the NBA playoffs, Isaiah Thomas is most critical to his team's success. Why don't we start with you, Darren? You're our NBA guy. You know, with as good as Isaiah Thomas has been, I'm still going to say shenanigans, only because there's a guy named LeBron James. You might have heard of him. I mean, he's he's absolutely dominating these playoffs. With what, like 35 points a game, seven rebounds, nine assists, whatever. He's awesome. It would take two guys to replace what he's doing right now. I don't think the Cavs have lost a game yet. So, no, Isaiah Thomas is very important, but LeBron's more so. I actually agree with the statement. However, I, I you know I buy into what you're saying. I think it's hard to imagine the Cavaliers winning without LeBron James. Though mm-hmm. I think, I think they have a better chance without LeBron. They still have a pretty deep roster than Boston would without Thomas. But it's it's a really tough question because most of the teams alive have that one guy that they'd be lost with without. You think of maybe San Antonio without Kawhi Leonard, Houston without James Harden, and Seems odd to say, but as great as Steph Curry is, he's probably the one guy his team could survive without. Yeah, I agree with that. What do you think, Zach? Uh, I hate to piggyback off of Darren, but I agree with what he said. I think that, um, like you said, a lot of these teams have that one guy that would be irreplaceable, but for the Cavs, that one guy happens to be the best player in the world. So I'm going to go with uh, LeBron. The tensions between the rivals like the Orioles and the Red Sox, the Rangers and the Astros, and what's been going on and the benches clearing and the, and the throwing at batters, this is bad for baseball. What do you think, Zach? I think it's bad for the quality of baseball. I think it's unnecessary, and I think that it's stupid. 
Unfortunately, I have to say shenanigans. I don't think it's bad for baseball because I think fans love it. And I think that you see, uh, like, Twitter explodes when something like this happens. You know, and fans of the team that are throwing at someone are all, yeah, yeah, he deserved it. You know, that's what he gets and stuff. So I think that it's bad for the quality of the game. But as far as bringing fans to the game, I think it's good. What do you think, Darren? I agree with Jack, uh, Zach. It's shenanigans. I think this is actually really good for baseball. You do get people talking about it. You get it buzzing again. I mean, I want to get back to the time where the Red Sox and Yankees hated each other. I didn't agree with Pedro's tactics by headhunting. You can intimidate without jeopardizing someone's career. But when teams don't like each other, it shows on the field and they play harder. Uh, unfortunately, I think Zach and I are in the minority here because even umpires are tossing people like Kevin Gaussman for hitting someone with a 77-mile-an-hour curveball. So. You know, I actually agree. I think it is bad for baseball. I think throwing at somebody's head, as the Red Sox did with Machado, I think that's ugly. And, and I guess my bigger issue is where does it all end? If each team retaliates every time the other one does something, how, how does that ever end? I mean, it's it's ugly. I think it's a bad message for young players, young kids. You see their favorite players, their favorite teams acting like chumps. And you mentioned Gaussman, where he hit who? Who he hit at? Can't remember now. I was watching too because it turned into must see baseball for me. I was watching the Orioles and Red Sox because of what was going on. My issue was you, that whole incident, and, and I'd be interested to hear what you think, Zach. When Sale threw that ball behind whoever the batter was at the time, I, I don't recall. He got a warning. It was behind Machado. He gets a warning. Both teams are warned. Nobody gets ejected. It was almost like the umpires gave the Orioles a free pass there to throw at one of the Red Sox because it, to throw the guy out after you just gave the Red Sox a warning, well, that seems unfair. What What do you think? Yeah, it was weird. Um, I mean, the sale thing, it doesn't get much more intentional than that. It was a fastball just behind his knees, you know, and then Gossman with the 77-mile-an-hour curveball, like Darren said, it was it was, it was was really strange. and. Um, I don't think I don't think that's good for the game at all. What was the purpose of the warning? As you just said, Zach, it was as intentional as intentional comes. Everybody knows that. I don't care what anybody's saying. That yeah, was obviously a message to be sent. So why are we sending a warning here? And then you turn around the next day and throw out the Orioles guy. Well, and then try exactly. and defend what you did when asked about it. There's no defense of that. It was a 77 yeah. mile an hour curveball that had Xander Bogarts. I just remembered, like he wasn't. If you're hurt. not going to throw, if you're not going to throw Sale out, then how can you throw Gossman out? It's just it's inconsistency mm-hmm. that really bothers me. Who is having control problems anyway? And it's a yes. curveball, which <laughs> is always a little iffy to begin with. Did Bogarts even feel it? Again, I, I repeat, it was 77 miles an hour. That's nothing. That's a Jared Weaver fastball. It's yeah, I got, I got to admit, I don't want to be hit by something going 77 <laughs> miles an hour. I don't care what it is. All right, moving on. The hit to the head of Sidney Crosby against the Capitals was a very dirty play. Zach, let's start with you since you're the hockey fan in the room. I hate to take... Um the side of really any player on either of these teams, unfortunately, but I, I didn't think it was a dirty hit. Um, in fact, I think the hit by, I think Ovechkin that put Crosby in the vulnerable position before that hit was dirtier. Um, the one by Niskanen that actually concussed him, it looked like he saw Crosby in a vulnerable position, went to put a hit on him, 
and ended up getting him in the head probably by accident. Um, it was ugly for sure, but I don't think I can call it dirty. I agree with you, Zach. I, I say shenanigans. I, you know, and I, you and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Whenever Sidney Crosby is involved, you just never know what the real intentions of the other team was. But it looked to me as if Crosby was just coming in towards them. So Matt Niskanen, you know, kind of reacted, braced for a collision, and unfortunately, as he was sliding, Crosby was getting lower, and the hit that maybe otherwise would have been around the torso area turned out to be at his head. I, I think it was just a result of the play of the game. And like you, what bothered me was that whack Crosby took in front of the goal before this whole thing transpired. What mm -hmm. was that? that? That had to be really tough for the referees to call because Ovechkin and Crosby are the two golden boys. They're the untouchable guys. But when one of them hits the other one, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Darren, what do you think about this? As you, you know how much know, you love hockey. I love hockey. Um, I didn't even see it, so I went and found the video, and then uh, I, I texted Derek Whitmore. And Obviously, you were watching an Anaheim Ducks game. Yes, yeah, because I'm a Ducks fan now. Uh, now, I asked Derek Whitmore what he thought, because honestly, I have well, no look care. at you name dropping. No, I'm going to name drop. I was texting him the other day. Like, boys, right? Anyway, he said he has mixed feelings on it. Um, I asked him truth or shenanigans, and he said both. He could see it both ways. He did say that hockey is a very fast game, and honestly, to, to both of us, we kind of agreed that it looked like Matt Niskanen was just bracing because Crosby's coming at him full speed. So, And I don't think the Ovechkin stick to the shoulder and head was even on purpose. It was all very fast. I, it didn't look dirty to me. It didn't look it, but I think you got the same thing from Derek as I was saying. He's torn. Yeah, because whenever Crosby's involved, you just never know. Mm -hmm. Next question, next statement, I should say. Jay Cutler will be on an NFL roster come opening day of the season. <laughs> and I'm just going to start this one and say shenanigans. I don't think he is. I think he, I think his career is done. One report said that he's already feeling out what opportunities may be there for him as a broadcaster. And I just, I wonder sometimes if Cutler, who has, really, he has plenty of talent, but at times he tends to make poor in-game decisions. I wonder if teams will look at other options first because at times he just seems to mentally check out. And maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's unintentional that he looks as though he doesn't care at times. Uh, I think he's gotten a little bit of a reputation for that. Whether that's fair or unfair, um, I don't think he'll be on an NFL roster come opening day. Darren, what do you think? Just asking if he ha if he's going to be on a roster. He's going to be a backup, right? Yeah. I, mean, I think he will be on a roster. I mean, look at... Look at the backups that get in the game sometime. You're like, have you ever played football before? Jay Cutler is better than that. Yes, I agree. He looks like he doesn't care most of the time, and he makes poor decisions. But, I mean, he's he's better than a lot of the backups in the league, and I think he'll get a chance to at least be on a roster. What do you think, Zach? I don't think he'll be on a roster, um, but I don't think it will be because he doesn't have offers. I think it will be because he doesn't want to have a backup job. Um, I think he's made his money. I think he'd be content to sit around and wait for a starting job to open up. So I'll say no, but that's my reasoning. This weekend, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 hits theaters. Within the first week, you guys will be seeing this film. What do you say, Zach? Oh, I say probably within the first 24 hours. Nice. I'm, Shocker. I'm very <laughs> excited for this one. The first one was hilarious. I, I, I've been waiting for this one for a long time, so I will definitely be seeing it. 
I'm actually going to say shenanigans. I won't see it within the first week, and and that kind of comes with an asterisk because the first one is so good. I've mm. seen it like three times in the last <laughs> two weeks, but um, of course I'm going to see it. My daughter's coming home from school next weekend, so I'm going to wait and see it with her. So I'll be just outside that first week theater, but I'm envious, Zach, so don't tell me anything that happens. But I'm Post it on Facebook. Well, Tag him in it. Darren, what about you? You gonna see it within the first week? I will. I, I'm like Zach. I'll probably go in the first 24 hours, but not because I'm some huge fan. Although the the first one was funny, I try to go in the first 24 hours to stuff like Star Wars and Pirates of the Caribbean and even Harry Potter, which I have no interest in whatsoever. And I do this because I like to see full grown adults, most of them usually overweight, just you know, creeping out of their parents' basement for the first time, dressed as the movie characters. And I find great joy in taking pictures of them and laughing. Like, have some pride. You're an adult. Don't do that. No one wants to see you in a leotard. But since you think we do, you know, I'll continue to go and take pictures of you. And please keep Why are you peeing in my Fruit Loops? (laughs) That's a lot of fun to do those things, to go to the... That's fine. Know that I'm making fun of you behind your back. Well, I know that anyway. (laughs) I had very little doubt. All right, one more. Fat guy dressed like a raccoon. It's definitely not me. Lies. It's you all day. Yeah, look at the coming attractions. Though. How cute is Baby Groot in this thing? <laughs> you guys are nerds. <laughs> all right, final statement. Tony Parker's knee injury from Game 2 means it will be the Rockets and not the Spurs who meet the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Darren, let's start with you. Truth, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, I could see this series even without Parker going seven. Patty Mills is not a pushover. Um, Kawhi Leonard, you could make an MVP case for him this year. And even at 39 and looking like he's 39, Manu Ginobili is still one of the more creative passers in the league. Uh, so I, I don't think the Spurs are going to advance, but I also would not be surprised to see it go seven. Zach, what do you think? Uh, I want to say shenanigans. I, I Like Darren said, Kawhi Leonard's MVP candidate, I think he puts the team on his back, and I agree I think it's going to go seven, but I think the Spurs can still pull it out. I actually agree with the statement that it will be the Rockets, not the Spurs. Uh, the Spurs bounce back well, but I think that beatdown they took at home in game one, man, that was a bit of an eye-opener. Houston looks like the real deal. Uh, I mean, San Antonio, no doubt, still very talented roster. As you guys have mentioned, Kawhi, look, they're really good. But I think Tony Parker, I think he's a big part of their championship chances. You know, you knew it was bad when he was not able to walk off and had mm-hmm. to be carried off by teammates. And as you said, Darren, Patty Mills, he he's a very capable replacement. But the Spurs were getting almost 16 points a game so far in the playoffs from Parker, I don't think yeah. you're getting that it's from almost, Mills. It's almost like Parker turned back the clock. I mean, this is what the second time in Parker's career he's gonna he's gonna miss extended time. Like that guy's been a rock in that organization, and he's a bigger piece than I think people are willing to even admit. All right, we got to get Zach out of here. He's got uh, dinner and more vacation before he heads home. So Zach, thanks for calling in. I'm Rick Benson. They're those guys. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. 
Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show. Recording in the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York. Here is your host, Rick Benson. Rick Benson, along with Darren Metzger, who's in for Zach Barletta today, recording the Beyond the Game program from Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We want to say hello to those listening from Northeastern Massachusetts. Second week in a row that our most numerous podcast downloads were from the state of Massachusetts. Northeastern Mass is the birthplace of Jim Craig. 1980 U.S. hockey team, played the goaltender for them. It's also the home where many of, it's also the place, I should say, where many athletes who play in the Boston area for the Patriots, the Celtics, the Red Sox, they make their home there. It was voted several years ago as one of Money Magazine's, uh, somewhere in the top 50 of their best places to live for rich and single people. Did Money Magazine ever visit in the winter? It's horrible. Probably not, but if you're rich and single and all these other rich and single people are hanging leave. out there, that's, you know, you go wherever you want to go. True. Guys like Mo Vaughn, Mike Vrabel, Aaron Tippett, Irving Fryer, they've all made their home at least for a time, some choosing to stay in Northeastern. Northeastern Mass is just one of the many places throughout the country and around the world who download the Beyond the Game program podcast. And if you would like to subscribe, just Find the show on iTunes, visit our website, btgprogram.com. In fact, our entire history of broadcasts is archived there. By now, you're familiar with the reports of Orioles center fielder Adam Jones being subjected to various racist taunts, including the N-word while playing at Fenway Park in Boston this past week. Jones said, a disrespectful fan threw a bag of peanuts at me. I was called the N-word a handful of times tonight. Thanks. Pretty awesome. The following night, Jones received a standing ovation from the crowd. And while this is awful, not not the standing ovation, of course, <laughs> the crowd, they apparently wanted him and everyone else to know, for that matter, that it, was, it wasn't everyone, that this was just a, 
a rude, racist, immature loser, just at least an, an ignorant minority. But I got to tell you, I was at the gym seeing the highlights uh, from the game up on the monitors there. And, you know, the cameras also captured a number of people behind those that were standing for the standing ovation. They caught a number of people behind them who just had their look at their on their face like there is no way they were on board with giving a standing ovation to an opposing player. I, I can think of this one lady, appeared to be on the first base line, perhaps, maybe you probably don't know who I'm talking about, but she just seemed so bitter that the guy in front of her was standing up giving a standing O she, was to she Adam Jones. a sweatshirt? I really think I know the I, I think she about. was, actually. <laughs> if, if, you, if you, wow, if you picked up on that, I'm pretty impressed, but... Um, does the, does the standing O make up for calling somebody the N-bomb? No, but I see why they, they, they tried to make this happen. Because, I mean, when, when I think of L.A. sports fans, I think of the ones that beat that guy to death or put him in a coma or whatever. Guess what? Most L.A. sports fans are probably not jerks. They're going to beat you up in the parking lot for rooting for the other team. But that's what I think of now when I think of L.A. sports fans. So Boston fans are getting a reputation because of the loud few, the jerks that you know can't grow up and can't get. Well, they're not getting them. a reputation. It's one it's they've there. That, yeah, mean, you got guys like CC coming out and going, "Yeah, you just expect racism when you play in Boston." That's a bad look for Boston. So I get why the the, the non-jerk fans, the, the majority of fans, would try and give Adam Jones a standing ovation, but that doesn't make up for it. Why Official term sooner. NJF, the non-jerk fans. <laughs> you know a couple of things here, though. Look, I am, I'm not saying that there's, there's never any cause for racism. Mm-hmm. Never. But the Red Sox have a small part in this. I mean, continuing this back-and-forth exchange with the Orioles, this feud that they have, even escalating it, is it any wonder fans respond with, with, with hate or in a hateful way towards the Orioles' players? Of course not, especially if they're going to go towards their star players. So, I, again, I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying this is right. What I am saying is the Red Sox have some responsibility here. And, again, stooping to such ignorant levels is just – it's wrong. But, undoubtedly, this is a small side effect of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not naive to think that if this latest feud wasn't there that this wouldn't still happen. Obviously, it would, but this definitely magnifies things and – sort of amps up the aggression, if you will. You know, Jones said it was not the first time that he's endured racism there. He told reporters this week the abuse was among the worst, though, mm. in his career, which is, what, 10, 12, 11 years, somewhere in that yeah. range, I guess. I don't really know. I mean, sadly, as a black athlete, he's probably endured racism in other stadiums as well because there are idiots everywhere. That's something I've learned in my 32 years on this earth is there are idiots everywhere. So it's sad, but it's not surprising. No, I agree with you. It's not surprising. I I say this often. I know this about people. They're going to do what they want to do. People just, man, they're going to do what they want to do. But here's another thing about the N-word specifically. As long as it's still used by some, it's not going to go away. I think we've talked about this, Darren, a couple of years ago on this program, if I remember right. If there are people, regardless of who it is, still using the the, 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 the phrase, it's not going away. Mm-hmm. 
There are slurs. There's language that was once used. It's unheard of today. I, I don't believe that this is a term that couldn't eventually be eliminated. But I know there are some circles of blacks who still use the word who would argue that it's their word. It's okay for them to use and them only. Mm -hmm. Okay, but as long as you do, well, the word's not going to go away. You know, a side effect of that is saying, oh, this is my word. I can use it with fellow black people. Uh, you're now giving stupid white people some ammunition. Like, oh, it's your word. I can't say that. Let me derogatorily call you that. And then we have more issues on our hands. The word needs to go away completely for good. I would agree. Uh, but getting back to Adam Jones for a minute, he's one of few black players in the game today. Not it's many. A, no, it's a game which features a growing international participation, mm -hmm. uh, predominantly white or Hispanic, but he's also one of the Orioles stars. He's alleged to be a really, really good dude. He, you know, in fact, he was the Orioles 2016 Roberto Clemente Award nominee, you know, the, an award which is given for character, community involvement, philanthropy. But just like any other person, he shouldn't have to tolerate no. such disgusting behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, the Red Sox organization, they issued an apology. They said they're looking into the incidents. Jones said the fan who threw the peanuts at him was removed from the ballpark and he suggested that a harsher penalty from the league should be given, not just removed from the ballpark, such as a major fine, uh, perhaps a lifetime ban. I think uh, one of the Red Sox fans actually did get recently banned for using a racial slur, like within the last few days. I read a story about it. I can't remember. I read so much. Jones said it's called a coward. What they need to do is that instead of kicking them out of the stadium, they need to fine them ten grand, twenty grand. 30 grand. Now, I. How do you enforce that? I agree it's cowardly. I don't know why a fan feels they have the right to treat another person in such a way just because they bought a ticket to the game, mm -hmm. but I'm not so sure you can find Joe Factory Worker, Joe Common Everyday Guy, 30 grand for throwing a peanut. It's going to change his life. You know, he yeah. will never climb out of that hole. He's not a Major League Baseball player. Well, that just shows you a little bit how. Man, what world are you living in? Where you you're gonna find somebody thirty grand for throwing a peanut? Well, he makes thousands per game. So, but here's the thing. This is wrong. This is wrong on every level, and it's not because of the word to me. And I look, I'm pasty white guy. I get it. It's not because of the word that was used that makes it so wrong. It's the treatment of another human being in that manner that makes it so wrong. It's name calling. You know, you're a professional athlete. I'm not saying it's right, but it's name-calling. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Regardless of what it is, yes, this name is worse than others. I get it, uh, and, and I'm sure I don't get it completely because, again, pasty white dude. But it's name-calling. So to find somebody thirty grand for it, uh, I don't. I don't know that you can do that. It's not just an issue in baseball. It's not something that only blacks have to deal with. Every, and I mean every race is subject to hatred and forms of discrimination based on their ethnicity. It's sad, but it's true. We have a young man staying with us from China who is studying here in the United States. He's staying with us while he does. He's endured taunts and, and cruelty based on his Chinese race. They're just small-minded fools who almost always are insecure about their own situation, their own identities, and so they channel their own insecurities through this abuse of other people. And that's what's the, the bothersome thing to me. 
Not that it was the N-word. Not that it was, you know, oh, he called me a baby. He called me a jerk. He called me a whatever he called. It's not the name. It's you're treating another human being in such a terrible way. And Jones is right. It's it's cowardly because these folks are usually they're hiding behind some protective wall of some sort, whether it's being part of a crowd or under the illusion that they're just being a passionate fan. No, what you're being is an idiot, yeah. you know, and, and though I can't tell you who originally said this, and I'm sure I, I, untold numbers of people have said it to the point, and the point is well taken, God has never made a person he doesn't love. First John 4.10, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God doesn't see us as a race or a color. He sees us as people that he loves. In Second Chronicles 19, verse 7, it says that there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of person. Like I said, he sees us as somebody he loves enough to die for. So, and either somebody that is either saved by his grace or perhaps somebody who's still rejecting that grace. What he really sees is how our hearts are toward him. First Samuel sixteen seven says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I mean, it must really pain God to see one person mistreat another person just because of the way they look or, or, or because of the, the color of the, their skin. You know, this is a person that God himself made. Racial prejudice questions God's creation, God's work, handiwork, you know, if you will. But racial prejudice also disobeys God's commandment for us to love one another. And that's what it really comes down to. You, you what, Regardless of the name you call them, you know, you, whether you're throwing peanuts at them, that's not showing love. And the great commandment of John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, I would have to disagree that with, with Adam Jones that a harsher, harsher penalties are the answer. Laws and consequences are not going to change a person's heart, and really that's the issue. It'll change your actions. You find me, as you said, it'll change somebody's life if you find them $30,000. They're not going to get out of that hole. Mm -mm. But, you know, it's only going to change your actions until they can figure out a way to get around the consequences. Yep. You know, once you figure that out, well, then you're right back to where you started. But change can come with education. Change can come with understanding, and that's what's needed, a change of the heart. But real, sudden, drastic change comes with the gospel. It comes with an awareness of God's love. We're going to take a break. I'm Rick Benson. He's Darren Metzger. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros, games, events, sports talk, fitness, and nutrition. 
sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Multiplication, division, algebra, and calculus. With math, there's a lot to learn. Thankfully, at Mathnasium Learning Centers, we make math make sense. As the new school year approaches, we're ready to help students reach their full potential. Children deserve to be greater than their fear of math, greater than past homework struggles, greater than they ever thought possible. With over 700 locations worldwide, we're committed to making this school year greater than last year. Visit Mathnasium.com today to find the center nearest you. Rick Benson, Darren Metzger with you on the Beyond the Game program from Rochester, New York, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We like to close out the show each week telling you what it is that we like. Romans 15.2 says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. This week in Edmonton, as the Oilers were about to take on the Anaheim Ducks, your Anaheim Ducks, Darren, in Game (laughs) 3 of their Stanley Cup playoff series. How's Goldberg doing? The microphone malfunctioned as Canadian country singer Brett Kissel sang the U.S. national anthem. No worries, as Kissel resolved the issue by throwing his hands in the air as if he were some sort of conductor with an orchestra. (laughs) And the approximately 18,000 fans in attendance did what any good neighbor would do. They stepped up to the microphone, as it were, and took it upon themselves to finish out the song. If you saw it, I know you were moved. As I was, I saw an arena full of Canadian citizens singing the Star Spangled Banner. Brett Kissel and the Edmonton, Alberta home crowd singing the U.S. National Anthem is what I like this week. You like that? You like that? <laughs> I, uh, I found this on the Internet, and it has to be true because they can't put anything on the Internet that isn't true. But I, <laughs> it, it, it passed like this, the smell test, if you will. I mean, it's talking about LeBron. LeBron <laughs> No father, no education, you know, no training. Very few role models growing up. Yet he was handed about $420,000 a week at the age of 18. Uh, we're 14 years later. He has married his high school sweetheart. He's never been arrested, never done drugs, you know, never humiliated his spouse with any side chick stories or anything like that. He's been a pretty good role model for the past 14 years, having grown up the way he did. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. And uh, LeBron James is what I like this week. You like that? You like that? That's going to do it. That's the show for this week. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Beyond the Game program. I want to thank Darren Metzger for sitting in today. I wish him all the best in San Diego. And if you haven't done it already, you're missing out on some good storytelling. Check out the Myths and Mystery podcast. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, and unsolved mysteries, then you'll appreciate this podcast, which Zach does with his brother. Myth and Mysteries, available on iTunes and Google Play, or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. Thanks again for being with us. Please consider partnering with our ministry of sharing the gospel through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website for more information, btgprogram.com. For Darren Metzger and the vacationing Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 